Well, it's my privilege to welcome Kay to the front, and um, she's one of our elders, and let's give her a warm hand. I actually just said there's a reason why I've got my phone here, nobody panic, I won't be text messaging during the message, I promise. Excuse me if I cough a little, I am getting over the dreaded lurgy that everyone seems to have had, so I may need to catch my breath and have a sip of water every now and again. Um, I was quite bad yesterday and my daughter-in-law and our son are living with us at the moment whilst they finish their house and she's an emergency nurse and um, she, I had uh, heart palpitations yesterday um, and my heart was skipping a beat um, quite often in a minute and um, as nurses do, she got very calm, grabbed hold of my wrist, started looking at her clock very calm, as nurses always are, and I could feel it skipping a beat. Hi, Melody. I could feel it skipping a beat, and it was making me cough. And um, she very quietly just turned to me and said, I think you'll be fine, but you need to rest. And I said, well, I'm preaching tomorrow. And she just rolled her eyes and walked out of the room. (laughs) Because she knew I wasn't going to rest while I was preparing this. Um, I'm someone who works to a deadline, so although I have been praying about this for some weeks and months, I really didn't put a lot down until yesterday. Um, That's just the way my brain operates. Um, Anyway, let's pray before we start. Lord, I just pray that you will have your way this morning. Lord, whatever comes out of my mouth will be what you want to say, Lord. I pray, Lord, that my flesh gets out of the way leaving room for your spirit, Lord, to move this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to speak on my favourite subject, worship. Um, Obviously, I run the worship team here, and I'm extremely passionate about worship, corporate worship, but I'm passionate about personal worship and what that looks like for us as an individual. Um, So I'm going to consider this as part one. Um, I've already mentioned to Wayne, I I may need to get up and do part two because today's message, I'm really focusing on our personal worship, not the corporate sense of coming together on a Sunday to worship together. That's a whole nother message, which I'll leave for another time. Um, I just wanted to look at the basics of worship today and, and, and talk about worship doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be something that you feel you're conjuring up. Worship comes from within. When I was preparing for this message, I was looking through a book that I own called A Heart of Worship by Lamar Boschman. And this is a small quote from his book. This may surprise you. But the scriptures do not say that God is looking for worship. Okay? John 4.23 says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the king of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. 
The Lord is, this is still the quote, the Lord is seeking people who will worship, not worship itself. Everyone hear that? The Lord is seeking people who will worship, not just worship itself. Why? Because he has had worship ever since angels, cherubim, seraphim were created. He does not have a great vacuum inside himself that can only be filled with worship. He is not insecure. He is self-sufficient and in need of nothing. But he is our father and he desires an interactive relationship with his children. Our father is requiring and demanding those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. He seeks after them and pursues them. What does he find when he finds you? And I found that quite challenging. What does the Lord find when he seeks and pursues and looks at your heart? What does he find? And I think we need to go right back to what is worship? The New Testament was written in Greek and the most common Greek word translated as worship is proskuneo. I don't know if I've said that correctly. Sorry, I'm not Greek. According to Strong's Concordance, proskuneo means to kiss, as in to kiss the hand of a superior. It is commonly associated with bowing down or lying prostrate on the ground with the idea of kissing the ground before someone. So worship is pretty, pretty humbling experience. If you're prepared to lay on the ground and kiss the ground of the person before you, that's a very humbling act. Worship is a faithful human response to the revelation of God's being, character, goodness, and will. In worship, God is adored simply as who he is. He doesn't require our worship. He's worthy of it because of who he is. Simply put, worship is focusing on the greatness and power of God, expressing love and thanks to him and bowing before him in total humility and obedience. We are created and designed to worship our creator. Amen? Okay, so worship is not what we do here on a Sunday morning. Sing some songs, listen to some preaching, share the communion. All these things have purpose and all these things are important. But they are not worship in and of themselves. We have somehow learned to evaluate the effectiveness of worship by how it makes us feel. What's happened with the explosion of worship since the 70s and 80s, and I've been there through all of that, we've created this atmosphere that worship has to be pulling on our emotion and pulling on our, our feelings. And dare I say it, lights on, lights off. Some like it on, some like it off. Some like it loud, some like it soft. And I'm delving into the next message here. But worship is not about any of those things. 
It is not about any of those things. If we are not meeting with God, we're not worshipping him. It is not about the venue. It is not about how well decked out it is. It is not about how great the worship team is, and they are great, by the way. Just saying. They did a great job. Good job, Darcy. First time Darcy led this morning. It isn't about those things. It's about us. It's actually about us and our relationship with him. Worship is really about what we give, not what about what we receive. True worship costs us something. Romans 12.1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. We are to offer ourselves as living sacrifices, which means I will lay myself down before you on the altar, no matter what that costs, no matter what that costs, and that's my act of worship to you, Father. True worshippers lay themselves bare before the Lord, willing to be his servant, however that looks and whatever that takes. Worship is an act of our will. It is not an emotion. And I hate to say it, but so many times as a worship leader over 30 years, I've heard people say to me, oh, I just wasn't really feeling it this morning. You know, I didn't like that song and, you know, that one was too fast. That one was too slow. I got disrupted by the kid in the third row that was saying, Mommy! Every five seconds. My leg was hurting for a bit and that took my mind off it. It's not about that. It's not about you. It's about this doesn't matter about all that stuff you could get up here and play happy birthday and it wouldn't matter because it's what's in here it has to cost us something it has to us for us to say I'm actually going to put all that aside I'm actually just going to lay that at Jesus feet because I'm here to commune with him in this moment I want to meet with Jesus whether the lights are on in my bathroom because you can commune with God anywhere Whether they're on in the bathroom or they're not, whether I'm standing in the shower or I'm lying in my bed, whether I'm in the car, whether I'm picking the kids up from school, I'm communing with him. That's worship. Somehow or other, we've got worship so out of whack over the years and it's become this juggernaut for churches, which is sad. It's so sad because it was never meant to be that. And that's a worship leader saying that. Someone who runs a team saying that. Worship is spirit to spirit. It bypasses our mind. It bypasses our emotions. It bypasses that part of us that likes to have a say. It's spirit to spirit. And when we understand that, none of the other stuff matters anymore. It doesn't matter. 
because he's looking at the heart. So number two, who do we worship? Well, clearly in this scenario, we worship God. God alone deserves our worship. Revelation 22, 8 and 9 says, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers, the prophets, and of all who keep the words of this book. Worship God. To me, it's so obvious here that the angel is saying, no, stop looking around you. Stop falling down and bowing down to things that don't matter, that aren't God. Worship God. And we're to focus on the one that we worship. We need to forget what is around us and focus on him alone. It's so easy to be distracted by the world. It's so easy to let this fast-paced culture that we live in take our mind and our heart away. We have lost the art of taking a moment to breathe and actually thank God for that breath. How many times have you been in a conversation with someone and 10 minutes later you can't remember what they told you? And it's not just about getting old. (laughs) How many times have you looked at your watch and then 10 seconds later you've got to look at it again because you didn't actually register what it said the first time? We've got to train ourselves to focus. We have to train ourselves to focus on God and to focus on the things that are more important than what this world is constantly offering us. We are to put no other gods before him. This is obviously the first commandment. Don't allow anything to become more important than your worship to the Father. Family, friends, work, hobbies, possessions... Pets, children, grandchildren. I love you, Melody. (laughs) Don't let anything distract you from your worship to him. Psalm 147.11 says, The Lord takes pleasure in those who reverently and worshipfully fear him in those who hope in his mercy and loving kindness. So God doesn't need our worship. As the guy in the book said, he doesn't have this massive void within him. Oh, I really wish they would worship me today. He doesn't need anything. But he takes pleasure in our worship to him. It brings our father pleasure. Wow! Do you not want to be someone who brings the Father pleasure? Make God smile and say, I love it when you worship me. It brings him pleasure. Number three, why do we worship? Well, because he's God. But he is the creator. Revelation 4.11 says, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power. 
For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. That's us. Because of him, we are breathing. Because of him, everything that's within us has been made. He's our creator. Therefore, he's worthy of our praise and our worship. This is the God who created the universe and then all that is in it, from the smallest particle to the largest cluster of galaxies and stars, all intricately designed by him, and that includes us. We have our being in him. If we look upon an artistic masterpiece or an amazing feat of engineering, like a bridge or a you know, amazing building or an incredible athlete that just has such a gift within their field, we feel this impetus within us to, well done, that's great. What an awesome job. And we want to praise the person who may have created that or designed that or whatever. How much more should we feel like that about God who did all of that before them and amazingly did amazing things that we've not even discovered yet. This is our creator. Why do we worship? Because he's Lord. God is our sovereign Lord, the ruler of heaven and earth, and as such, he is worthy of our worship. 1 Chronicles 16, 29 says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name, Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. He is Lord. Hallelujah. We worship him because he is our redeemer. We are sinful humans. We were people who were separated from the love of God by sin. But God provided a suitable sacrifice for my sin, Jesus. And he imparted to me the righteousness of Christ. He has prepared an eternal future for me with him. Wow. Our Redeemer. We wouldn't be sitting here right now except that our Redeemer lives. Hallelujah. Our Redeemer lives. We worship because he's worthy. In the end, everyone will bow before God. We know this. The word talks about this, that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. And we will bow not because we are forced to, but simply because we acknowledge that he is worthy of our worship. He's worthy of it all. He is worthy of it all. That's one of the reasons why in corporate worship I get so excited. Because I think this is, this is a snippet of what we will see in glory. A snippet of heaven on earth. Even with all our muck and our ugh. It is a snippet of what we're going to see. So you better start enjoying it now. because when we get there, eternity. And, you know, I've I've formed a theory. (laughs) 
in my mind because someone said to me one day, well, I don't believe that worship will be like that when we get to glory. I believe it will be very uh, reverential and very solemn and very somber and very respectful. And the Lord dropped into my heart. It will be for him. It will be for him. But for me, I'm going to be dancing, clapping, jumping about, hanging from the chandeliers like a good Pentecostal. But for that person, that's just not who they are. And they would really struggle with that. And I believe that the Lord will allow us to be ourselves up there and worship the way we feel to worship. There'll be no denying the worship will happen, but maybe they will hear it through what is comfortable for them. I don't know. I have no scripture and verse that can back that up. It's just a theory I have. But I like to think that our God, the God of love, the God who knows us more than anyone else will ever know us and will ever know us, I believe that he would do that for us, that he would create a heaven at which every single person will 100% love and enjoy. If you're not, so don't freak out if you're worried that they're all going to make you dance and sing up there. Maybe he will, I don't know. Revelation 4, 9 and 10 says, Whenever the living creatures give glory, honour and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever... The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. So we are going to worship him forever and ever. The Bible says that. How amazing. So let's, we may as well practice now because when we get there, we've got to be experts. The other reason we worship is because we're told to. We are commanded to worship. And it's not for his benefit, it's for ours. Psalm 156 says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. If you have breath in your body, praise the Lord. And Psalm 113, 1 and 3 says, Praise the Lord. Praise, all servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised. How many times does he have to tell us? both now and evermore, from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. So all day and night, we also worship him because we love him. This is my favorite one. Because I love him and I want to praise him. Psalm 18, 1 to 3 says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I am saved from my enemies. When I'm in worship sometimes, you'll hear me when I lead worship I will say, you're my rock, Lord. You're my refuge. You're my deliverer. You're my fortress. You're my tower of strength. Because I'm declaring those things in worship, which prevents the enemy from getting in. I'm declaring it. I'm speaking it out. 
The other reason we worship is it changes us. And this is a big key. The world, the flesh and the devil don't want us to worship. They will try everything they can to distract us and it's constantly at war with our flesh to keep us captive in this world. That's why worship's so important because worship bypasses all of that spirit to spirit. It doesn't rely on whether I feel good today. It doesn't rely on what circumstances I'm going through. It's spirit to spirit and the Lord knows that for us, worship changes us. It will do miracles in us. It will bring repentance. It will bring healing. It will bring deliverance. It will bring restoration. It will bring peace, joy, and it will bring more worship. Because when you've been set free from all of those things, when God has got all of that off the table for you, you've got more room to worship. Hallelujah. 1 Chronicles 16.27 says, Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his dwelling place. Now, his dwelling place could mean the sanctuary. Some versions say the sanctuary. But I believe dwelling place can mean anywhere. Wherever the Lord is, is the dwelling place. When we extol the name of the Lord in worship, we are declaring our testimony of who God is and what he has done for us. A number of years ago, we had a family in this church. You may remember them. They had six children. They used to sit in a row in the centre here. And for the life of me, I can't remember her name. But anyway, she later gave a testimony at a women's event that one Sunday morning she was standing in worship and the Lord set her free from a bondage that had been there since she was a young girl. She wasn't necessarily praying about that. She wasn't thinking about that. We weren't necessarily singing songs about that. The Holy Spirit set her free in worship. That's how powerful worship can be. It will set people free without anyone touching them, without anyone necessarily praying for them or laying hands on them, although those things are good too. She was set free just in her seat. She was just standing in worship and the Lord set her free. And she was changed so much so she testified about it to say how different she felt when the Lord had done that for her. And as a worship leader, that encouraged me that it wasn't about what songs we were doing. It was about the Holy Spirit moving in that worship. The Holy Spirit coming and touching people the Holy Spirit having his way and us just giving space for that. I was so encouraged by it at the time. It changes our circumstances. Worship can drive away evil. And that can sound pretty... But worship is a powerful tool against the enemy's plans. 1 Samuel 16.23 says, Whenever the Spirit from God came upon Saul, David would take his harp and play. Then relief would come to Saul 
and he would feel better and the evil spirit would leave him. So it's there in black and white in the word. I'm not making it up. Worship will drive away evil spirits. It will drive away evil that's trying to come upon you or come into your life and wreak havoc. It will drive it away. When my children were, or our children were small, because I knew the power of worship and we had had a um, generational um, thing that was hanging around, I don't know, I won't go into too much detail, but we'd had this generational thing that had happened to my mother, then it happened to me, and then it was trying to attack my children. Worship in their rooms every night while they slept banished the enemy, stopped it in its tracks, no more problems, because we were declaring the lordship of Jesus in their room at night and declaring that this here, this space here belongs to Jesus. You cannot go beyond that. We declare it, you cannot go beyond that. And that worship, just playing gently, each of them had, well, back in those days it was a cassette player but, or a CD player, they each had one in their rooms and every night, part of our nightly routine, say our prayers, put the CD on, worship music, every night, all night, just on repeat, all night. The kids learnt to sleep with it, they loved it, to the point where they couldn't sleep without it, often. But it will drive away evil. That's how powerful worship is. Isaiah 61.3 says, and we all know this scripture, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair, or some versions say heaviness or weakness, He gives us a garment of praise which will drive away that spirit of despair or heaviness. And often when I've counseled people who've struggled with mental illness, I've said, have it playing in your car. Have it playing in your house. Just have it playing. You don't even need to be listening to it. It's saturating the atmosphere. And there is power in that. Worship changes those around you. (coughs) Pardon me. You all remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, or Abednego, depending on which shul you went to. Um, They were obviously thrown into the furnace. For those that don't know the story all that well, there was these three guys who refused to worship and bow down to the gods that King Nebuchadnezzar had told everybody that they had to worship. And somebody dobbed them in. They were dragged to the king's court, and the king got really angry and said, well, if you're not going to worship the god that I've created, then you're going to be thrown in the furnace, and you'll be consumed by the fire. And so they said, well, we're not going to. Na 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 <laughs> And that made him really mad. And so he got them to turn the furnace up seven times hotter than they usually had it. Seven times hotter. So hot 
that when the soldiers went to throw them in, they died. They were consumed and died from the heat. Daniel 3.28 says, Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be... Sorry, I'll go back to the right page. Okay. Seven times hotter, the soldiers were killed. They bound up the three men, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, bound them, tied them up tight so they couldn't get out of it and they threw them in the fire. Now, I don't know about you, I've been through some tough stuff in my day. That's pretty bad. That's pretty tough. That's, that's right out there. Okay, I'm not going to worship. Therefore, I will allow myself to be thrown in there. And I know there was probably the thought, well, we worship God, so we'll be with God. But, you know, you're thinking about, oh, what does burning flesh smells like? You know, I, I don't know. You'd be thinking all sorts of things. I would be. And the fear that might want to grip you would be overpowering. They chucked them in. King Nebuchadnezzar looked down and he saw four men in the fire. They'd only thrown three in. And they weren't just being consumed. They were completely, not even singed. All their bounds were gone. No more ties around their hands or their legs. They were completely free, walking around in the furnace. Just walking around. So to me, it's like the Lord has said, not only will I protect you, I will free you from everything that is keeping you bound, keeping you fettered, keeping you down. I will free you from that in the fire as well. Not just keep you dry, keep you cool. I'll get rid of all of that stuff as well. How amazing is God? And, of course, King Nebuchadnezzar couldn't believe it. So Daniel 3.28 says, King Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. So the actions of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego changed the heart of the king. So why do we worship? Because that happens. Why do we do it? Because that happens. Because he looses the chains, he unbinds the fetters, he keeps us protected. That happens. Number four, when do we worship? Now, I know this is basic stuff. I know it is. But sometimes it's good to hear it and refresh ourselves in some of these principles. When do we worship? Always, continually. It's a heart attitude 
that becomes a lifestyle choice. You know, the world will talk about, well, you can live your best life. Not without Jesus, you can't. You can't be living any kind of a life without Jesus. When you've got Jesus, that's your best life. But even then, only if we are being changed constantly into his image. It's fine to come to Jesus and, wow, we're set free. He's our redeemer. That's amazing. He's Lord. But are you allowing him to change you? Are you allowing him to pinpoint those things in your life that are not really godly? And I talked about that at the last message I I spoke. We worship continually. The previous scripture that we read, when the sun rises to the sun setting, we praise his name. From the minute we get up to the moment we go to sleep, We praise his name. It's not a choice. It's what we should be doing every single day. When you get up in the morning, Lord, today is yours. I praise you. I worship you. I give you today. Help me not to be an idiot today, Lord. Help me not to make stupid choices today, Lord. Help me to worship you over a TV show. Help me to worship you over that other thing that I'm having problems with. Help me to worship you over food. All the things in our life that can become such a God to us, it's a conscious choice every morning to praise him and worship him. Mark and I were, some years ago now, went out for lunch to a cafe close to us and I just happened to look over, we were outside, happened to look over and across the street, maybe 50 metres away, This man comes, obviously, from a local house or somewhere, or maybe he worked at one of the shops, put his rug down, knelt down, and started bowing and praying and and doing what they do. And the Lord challenged me, would you be willing to do that in the middle of the street? And I had to be honest. No, (laughs) not happening. (laughs) I'm having my lunch. (laughs) It was really challenging. That man's so dedicated to his faith, he will go and do that anywhere. He doesn't care what people think. Now, we may not agree with everything in his faith, but I I had to give some praise to that guy for his boldness in his faith. I don't know if I could do that. The Lord asked me right now in the middle of the shopping centre to just lay a rug down and start singing a worship song. Got to say, I might struggle. Even now, after being a Christian for as long as I have been, I would struggle with that. Oh, what will people think? You know, Who cares? And this is a challenge for me. I'm talking to myself as well. Who cares what people think? Are we willing to do what Jesus asked us to do? If he was to ask us to spit in some mud and wipe it on someone's face to believe in the healing, would we do it? Probably after COVID, no. But anyway. (laughs) (coughs) Maybe we put a glove on first. 
David wrote in Psalm 34.1, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. Always. What a declaration of David. I love David in the, in the word. I just love it because he was an idiot sometimes and other times he, he was really strong in God. But then he'd fall back to being dumb again and you're like, this is my life. <laughs> you think you got it all together and the next minute, oh, I've done it again. So I'm talking to myself here, everyone. I'm not, I'm not saying I've got it all together. I don't. I'm sure my husband would tell you that. <laughs> the other thing we do when we worship, we do it in good times and in bad. Remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the furnace. They chose to worship God even if it meant losing their own lives. They even were walking around in the fire and all their chains had fallen off. They were no longer bound. The word says that King Nebuchadnezzar said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Can you imagine... So he's looking through all the flames. That in itself is a miracle if you think how strong that seven times hotter would be. He's seeing four men walking around and he can see a difference in one of them. How amazing is that? The power of God right there in that fire. Now I'm just going to warn everybody, maybe just stay in your seats for the next few minutes just for safety reasons. And this is why I've got my phone. All right. All of them off. Okay. I want you to remember the story of Jonah. He was running from God and the purpose God had for him. He jumped on a boat and he went in the opposite direction to Nineveh to try and run away from God. And God sent a great storm and the men on the boat blamed Jonah for the storm which was true. And so, as they did back in those days, they threw him overboard. God then sent a big fish, probably a whale, and it swallowed Jonah up. And in the word, it actually says that God sent the fish so that he would not drown. So there was obviously air inside the whale so he could breathe. And for three Days. Jonah sat in the belly of that whale. So if you can imagine for a moment the storm that you're going through right now. God's probably allowed that storm to come into your life. And you just when you think it's not going to get any worse, you are thrown out of that boat that you've 
holding on to in the middle of that storm and you're plunged into darkness. And then you're gasping for breath and you're going, oh my goodness, if this is what running from God does, maybe I made a mistake. And so you're flapping about in the water You're wondering what's going on and the next minute this great fish swallows you whole. And now you've gone from being in a storm in a boat to being in the water, choking to death, drowning, to being inside a massive fish. It's gone from one thing to another to another and each thing is worse than the previous So what does Jonah do? He's sitting in the belly of that whale for three days. And he falls on his knees and says, sorry, God. I got it wrong. I'm sorry, Lord. I will do what you've told me to do and I will worship you. The word says that he prayed He repented and he worshipped God. God caused that whale to expel Jonah onto the banks of Nineveh. It's like God said, well, now now you've come on board. Now you've repented. Now you're worshipping me. I'll plop you right where you need to be. What can we learn from this story? There are many times in God that he allows these great storms to surround us. We feel we're holding on for dear life and yet then we fall into the abyss. And we wonder where God is. But he always sends an escape plan. He sent the whale. It was a temporary escape plan to give Jonah time. Can you imagine in that whale, it would stink like fish. There'd be water everywhere, but none of it you could drink. He would hear... The blowhole of the whale, he would hear the whale making whale noises, which I won't do. It's not a comfortable place to be. It's not the ideal setting for having a lesson in God, I wouldn't have thought. And for three days, he put up with that. But through repentance... And then worship, God provided a way out and actually commanded the fish to get him out of it. Jonah couldn't get himself out of it. An external force had to get him out of it. If we could have the lights back on, please. So God's purpose for Jonah had not changed. Jonah's heart 
had changed through repentance and worship. The purpose of what he was supposed to do for God never changed. God didn't change his mind and say, oh, well, all right, if it's all too hard, I'll I'll pick someone else. No, he never changed his mind once. He let Jonah go through all of that to bring Jonah to the knowledge that God had given him all that he needed to fulfill that purpose that he called him to do. He didn't suddenly give him an amazing voice or suddenly didn't give him a tool that he didn't have before. No, he put him through a really tough, tough journey to get him to that point. And it brought him to the point of repentance and worship. And that's the key to the message is we can go through all these things, but if it does not bring us to the point of repentance and worship, it's a waste of time. So number five, how do we worship? We create time and space. (coughs) Worshippers love being in the presence of God. True worshippers love the presence of God. And I can, I've walked into churches all my life and I can look at people and go, yep, true worshipper, true worshipper, true worshipper. Because I can see they get it. I can see they live it. Not that I'm being judgmental, it's just the worship in me calls out to the worship in them. Let's worship Jesus together. And that's what I long for on a Sunday morning, which will be the next message. When we get it on a day-to-day basis, then when we join together on a Sunday, there should be no barriers. There should be no issue. It shouldn't matter what songs we're doing because the worship in me and the worship in you come together and we worship him together, which is amazing, amazing. If there's no room in your life for God, then there's no room in your life for anything. Create a space for him in your life so you can live a lifestyle of worship. Have a real day-to-day walk with him. And that might be, like I said before, getting up in the morning and saying, right, Lord, I dedicate today to you. It may not be reading 17 chapters of the Bible today. I don't do that. I'm just saying. Ooh, everyone was really quiet. (laughs) But I live my life dedicated to Jesus. I don't make decisions without talking to him. I don't do things without talking to him. I live my life completely under the lordship of Jesus 99% of the time. There's always those moments where you fall and you don't but I've made a habit of living a lifestyle of worship like anything in life the more you do something the more it becomes a habit so if you wake up in the morning and saying Lord I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna follow you today no matter what that looks like I'm gonna follow you today no matter what furnace you throw me in I'm gonna follow you today 
One big key is to have worship music playing, like I said before. Have it in your car, have it in your home, have it in your office, put it in your headset, whatever that means for you. We are to be strong and stand firm when we worship and we're to have boldness, and Kyla mentioned this earlier. Because of what Jesus did for us, we no longer have to go to the temple and give our sacrifices in and let the priest go into the inner court and they do it on our behalf. Jesus did away with all that because of what he did for us. We now can approach the throne room with boldness because we are heirs. We are God's children. We have a direct access to him. Don't be frightened. He's your father. He wants you to come to him. Imagination and creativity. Okay, this is important. Worship is not music. Does everybody hear me? Worship is not music. It is a creative way to express worship. But in and of itself, worship is not music. Some people have great gifts within them. Poetry, art, dance. Um, (coughs) Pardon me. Other creative gifts and talents on their life. The people who do the events, they've got an amount. That's part of their worship is to create an atmosphere for church. Worship is not music. You're all looking at me like, she doesn't know what she's talking about. Worship is what we do with our God. I know some ladies who love to cook, and that's part of their worship is to provide food for those that are in need or provide food for their families. Worship can take on lots of different flavour. It doesn't have to only be music. However, God created music, I believe, to provide that medium for us to all be together and worship as one. We're not all going to be able to do sand art. We're not all going to be able to paint a picture on the wall. We're not all going to be able to use some of those other gifts and talents. Not everybody can cook. Not everybody can do, you know, do whatever. The, the word says to make a joyful noise. Doesn't have to be in tune, people. Just sing. Jonah, I can guarantee, in that darkness was going, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm an idiot. Please forgive me. You don't have to be able to sing. I have a terrible voice at the moment because of the flu. Sing anyway. God loves it. He takes pleasure in that. We are to do it with joy. Sometimes I've watched, <laughs> I've watched people worship on videos, not here. And you wonder if they're even saved. They're just not happy. And I know there's one extreme to another. You can get the ones that are sickly sweet, happy, that doesn't feel real. But for all of the reasons I've already said, The fact that he's our redeemer and he's our Lord and he's our creator should be enough to provide enough joy 
For us, when we worship him, we're happy about it. Worship should not be a struggle, people. Worship should be something we love to do because we're communing with our Lord. Something that we want to do. (coughs) We had a lady in our old church who'd had a very, very difficult... I'm aware I'm running over time, sorry. Um, Had a very difficult marriage. All of her children had wandered from the faith and she was really struggling. Um, And during the revivals of the 80s and 90s where the Holy Spirit really moved in a lot of the churches... And we had that Holy Spirit laughing and clapping and dancing going on. This lady one day went out the front. She thought, well, I'm just going to go out and I'm just going to wait on God and see what happens. Well, the Lord put the oil of joy on her life. And she was rolling in the aisles. Like, this lady was very conservative And she was literally rolling around in the aisles, laughing her head off, absolutely laughing her head off. And of course, (coughs) everybody in the room was like, oh, that's amazing. The Lord's given that to her, you know, to really uh, fill that void within her heart where she had no joy because her life was miserable, um, even though she knew the Lord. And so we thought it was just this one off. But then for months afterwards, months, she would come to church the minute the worship started. She's on the floor. And do you know what's funny? Her name was Joy. (laughs) And we're like, Joy's just having some joy today. And what it did for the church was boost this feeling of wow, look what God did for her. He saw in her what she needed and she needed that joy. She needed a supernatural impartation of the oil of joy and it changed her life. It absolutely, she started talking differently. She started walking differently. She, her face was alight. She, her countenance was Jesus-based, she was no longer looking at all the things in her life that had been dragging her under. She was full of the joy of the Lord. And that's what worship can do. And I do have to say, sometimes worship is loud. I'm sorry. Sometimes worship is loud. Sometimes worship is soft and very reverential and will go into the inner court with the Lord and we, f- we feel the need to lay before him and bow in reverence to him. So there's both, okay? So it's good to have the joy and it's good to have the happy clappy songs and it's good to have the feelings of buoyancy, but there does come a time in worship where we lay bare before the Lord and we just respect him and his awe and his wonder. And I think in today's world we've lost a lot of that we've we've lost that feeling of awe and wonder when I was a child when we came into church there was no noise it was a place of respect it was a place of awe this is where we met with Jesus I'm not saying we should go back to that 
but I think in our effort to become more lively, we've lost a bit of that. And it'd be nice to have that as well. I'm nearly done, I promise. Uh, Right. We worship with a thankful heart. Next slide. Thankfulness is intrinsically linked to worship. At the very core of our response to salvation is a heart of thanks to Jesus for what he did for us. It's very hard to worship if you're not thankful. Many years ago, I had what they term now a thankful journal, thankfulness journal. I had been having a particularly difficult time in my life and I felt led to buy this book. And so every day... I had three kids under four. I thought my life was out of control, which it was for a long time. Um, Husband who travelled. And so I, I, I was feeling like I was drowning. I just felt like I was drowning. And I bought this journal and it didn't have a lot in it other than pages with a scripture and you were supposed to write in there every day of what you're thankful for. Well, I was struggling to thank God for anything at that point. Because I felt my life was so out of control. And there were some days where I simply wrote, thank you for my breath. Because if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be able to be a mother to these kids. And after a number of months, every day of writing in this journal, and it would be a couple of sentences, not a lot, just a couple of sentences, thank you for your breath. Thank you for food in our belly. Thank you for a home, shelter. Thank you for clothes on our back. Very simple, basic. And after a couple of months of doing that, I started looking back. And I'd started out with thank you for breath. But as the weeks went by, I'd started focusing on Thank you for my beautiful family, Lord. I'm so grateful there's nothing wrong with my children. Thank you, Lord, for a husband who's willing to travel and provide for our family to pay our rent and mortgage or whatever. Thank you, Lord, that I have, you've slotted me into a church that I feel connected to and belong, and I've got a family around me of church people who will speak into my life that I respect. As the weeks went by, the thankfulness got longer, bigger, louder, wider, Because my brain had shifted from I'm drowning to, wow, look what God has done in my life, which produced worship. It produced that heart to worship. Nehemiah 8.10 says, Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Thankfulness produced joy, and joy produced joy. Strength and strength produced more worship. Let's just close our eyes for a moment. I'm not going to do an altar call today. I've given you a lot of information. The last thing I want to say is temples are built all over the world to attract worshippers. But the reality is We are temples of worship. And we are called to be mobile temples of worship.
What does the Lord see when he seeks out you? What are you worshipping in your mobile temple of worship? Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, that you will give us a revelation. Lord, that as with Jonah, Lord, when we're in the midst of the storm or in the water or in the belly of the whale or in the fire, Lord, that your hand is upon us and you will be with us in that moment. But Lord, it's when we worship, when we repent, when we lay before you, that things change. Lord, I just pray for your presence upon these people in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.